Welcome to the Virtual Ward Rounds, a surgery podcast that helps you understand what is going on with your surgical patients and answers those burning questions you never had a chance to ask by the bedside. My name is Sergei Tsakanov. I'm a general surgeon from Sydney and an adjunct lecturer from the University of Notre Dame, Australia. We have created and implemented a successful medical student teaching course we call the Virtual Ward Rounds, and now it has come to you in form of this podcast. Each episode is carefully selected to discuss a single issue that relates to perioperative management of a surgical patient. Please check our Instagram and Twitter feeds under hashtag virtual ward rounds for updates and new episodes released every week. Welcome back to the virtual ward rounds. John and Wendy, how was your day? Very good. Very good. Love and COVID life. How are you doing, Serge? Uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, different uh, at work these days. Uh, so I just, um, I, I wanted to do something a little bit different today. Um, I just realized that I actually don't know much about you two. I know that you're excellent. I know that you're third-year medical students. But I was wondering maybe you could tell a little bit about yourselves. Oh, God. Okay. Sure. Do you want to go first? Or? No, you go first. I'm a bit worried this is going to one day be used in my opera deposition to have me deregistered. No. Um, okay, sure. So... Uh, as you may have picked up if you've been paying attention in prior episodes, my name's Jordan. Um, I have a background in pharmacy, um, and so not too surprisingly, I'm interested in psychiatry because we get to give people lots of drugs. Um, but I do, I do like surgery a lot, and I think my interest in it initially was sparked when I heard uh, about a study which sort of said that uh, your ability as a doctor is pretty well correlated with your understanding of anatomy and the structures in the body. And so I thought, oh, so no matter what specialty you do, it pays to understand anatomy and then that's gonna have really good flow on effects with surgery from my perspective. But other than that, uh, I'm a bit of a crazy cat dad and I've got three cats, I love them dearly. I recently got a puppy, so maybe I won't be a cat dad too much longer. It will be a mixed family. Um, Multiracial is not the right word, what is it? Mixed. (laughs) just mixed yeah blended family yeah um and then in my spare time i love to garden i have some sick potatoes growing in my front yard i can't wait to harvest them they're gonna be so tasty um and uh and then in what limited spare time i have beyond that i do this thing called medical school which i think most of you guys probably do as well um and just enjoying the ride how about yourself wendy Yeah, so if I follow George's stream, I am an ex-public servant and a very proud one from New South Wales Health and Queensland Health. I have never done science before, not even in year 11 and 12, so the last few years have been a huge adventure. Um, Do I like surgery? I like, I do really like surgery, which is a little bit scary and I can maybe talk about that another day, but... What I love about surgery is the escape of theatres, the hands-on versus the thinking. Um, I love the early starts. Um, I love the teamwork approach, and I like the way the teams work together. So that's why I've really enjoyed surgery, and there's been really good people that I've met on the rotation, and as they say, that can determine your career path quite often. The specialty that you choose is the people that you meet during your rotations. Um, A little bit about me, I... Don't really like cats. Sorry, Jord. You're dead to me. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, except I love Taylor Swift and she likes cats. So Plus one, that's Taylor important. Swift. That's important. That's right. Um, what else is important to me? Outside of med school, what do I do? I exercise 
those that know me, I get up very early and I have to work out and I have to run and I'm very disciplined and annoying about it. Um, other than that, I'm not from Sydney. I'm a regional rural person, which seems to not be very many of us in our year. So I'm from a very, well, country regional town called Lismore, which is a big mix of people, as no doubt everyone knows. If you don't know where that is, it's south of Byron Bay, which if you're from Lismore, you don't really like Byron Bay, but anyway. Um, and I'm lived in Coffs Harbour, which is where my parents' house is, but I actually moved here from Brisbane. So I'm a city girl, but I'm also from the country. Get you a girl who can do both. <laughs> Does that make me cool? I went to a public school. Look, you said in there that, you know, your, your specialty could be determined by the people you meet and stuff. Mm. So I just want you to know you can always come to psychiatry. No. You can let me, the door's open. <laughs> no, thanks, Jordan. Pediatrics is the other one. I love kids more than I love adults, dogs, babies, kids. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. What uh, it, it's, it really impresses me uh, that these days... In, in, in medicine, we have people with such diverse backgrounds and so much maturity and so much personal experience. I think uh, it certainly makes a huge difference uh, in your career path and knowing what you want to do. And uh, I think, uh, Wendy, I see you as the next uh, Carrie Chant. Uh, oh, that's know, music <laughs> to my ears. Uh, <laughs> I've heard that quite a lot and it's definitely something I think about daily at about 11 a.m. that I want to be up there. <laughs> doing what they're doing, so. And interestingly, I think you're actually much better suited to a career of surgery uh, than I am. I am not an early riser, I, but I do have to fall, you know, because I am a surgeon, but uh, every morning is, um, is a struggle, and it's been like that for the last 25 years, <laughs> and it will be like that for the next 25, I'm sure. So, Wendy, but you're not going to do surgery, are you? I, I don't know. And you're breaking my heart. <laughs> I think I will. I What I would love is to be a chief executive and on Mondays I just drain abscesses. Sounds like a perfect life to I me. Sounds amazing. It's very, very specialised. That's <laughs> <laughs> you're going down there. I like it. <laughs> and talk to kids once, to, once a week. Yeah, and, uh, Jordan, I have to disappoint you. I don't think there's any requisite for anatomy knowledge in psychiatry whatsoever. As a matter of fact, um, I do believe psychiatrists pride themselves on not having to touch their patients uh, at all. Uh, what do you... In fact, what? it's recommended, Serge, that you don't, surely. Probably, it's probably, <laughs> probably the contract. But, but do tell me, why are you doing this with me if you're not surgically inclined? Because I think that uh, a lot of psychiatrists could probably benefit from having more holistic knowledge around medicine, which I think this podcast is a great opportunity to sort of delve into that. And also, um, maybe on a more sort of, uh, what's the word, self-interest level, I, I really struggle to just sit down and study. I feel like um, the way I learn is often through just discussions, through talking to people, through talking to patients, things like that. So uh, believe it or not, just sitting here and having our you know, weekly discussions, I feel like it really helps solidify a lot of concepts in my mind. And I mean, on your point about psychiatrists and touching their patients, you know, I've, I think everyone's probably spoken to someone who's had a shocking referral from a psychiatrist at one point or another, be it, you know, maybe 
uh, you know, we want to get a surgical consult on this patient and then, you know, all of the obvious things that you would hope to have been done before you get that call haven't been done. So I think there's a lot of room for um, benefit through just learning how the surgical specialty works and how you can interact with that specialty from maybe a different specialty and um, how to not get yelled at at 3 a.m. in the morning from the surgeon's consultant. <laughs> uh, look, I think it probably goes both ways, to be honest. And uh, the fact that people still get yelled at uh, by their surgical colleague, I, I think is probably uh, a, a bit of a hangover from the uh, olden days. Uh, and I don't think, I think there, there's a plenty of room for improvement for intercollegial relationships. And I do believe that we all have to be a lot nicer to each other. Uh, and when, it, you know, whenever it's a surgeon to psychiatrist, psychiatrist to surgeon or uh, emergency physicians or gynecology colleagues or anybody else, I think we all need to be um, a little bit patient and um, a little bit helpful and definitely um, this this uh, shouting at someone for the, for a bad referral should be should be a, um, a thing of the past, and I think we're moving in the right direction at the moment. I think uh, uh, hopefully uh, that these incidents will become uh, less and less um, common. And um, but if this uh, podcast will uh, help anyone. Uh, learn a little bit more about surgery, a little bit uh, about the perioperative care and some of the concepts, and then I think uh, my job here will be complete. So I'll just change the tack a little bit and uh, I want to ask you what it's like being a third year medical student in the University of Notre Dame. Sure, I'll, look, I'll jump into that one. I like from talking to a lot of other people in the cohort, I think that there's a huge element of how you approach the situation. I know some people who are finding the clinical years of their medical degree much more challenging than the first two, whereas I myself am finding it the opposite. I'm finding it to be much more enjoyable. And I think that there's a number of factors that come into that. But for me, myself, like I'm a, I'm a talkative person. I like talking to patients. I mean, that probably you know, comes out a bit in the fact that I want to do psychiatry. I'm not averse to talking to people. Um, and so for that reason alone, I enjoy being on the wards and um, that sort of thing. But at the same time, I also have a very realistic understanding of um, that you have to get your own work-life balance. And so I try to make the most of my clinical hours, but I don't slave here, you know, 12 hours a day. And I know that some other students really get a lot out of that. Uh, but I feel like the way I can sort of get the most out of medical school is through balancing that work-life balance. And so for me, I sort of try to get a few big tasks done in the morning, um, maybe talk to a few patients around midday, ask the team if they need any help, and if not, get out in the early arvo. And I find that that works really well for me. Whereas I've got other friends here who are, you know, at the hospital till five o'clock every evening, and they think that's the best for them and, you know, more power to them. So I think that, yeah, I'm really enjoying third year at Notre Dame. I think that getting to go to different hospitals, as many people in their clinical years do, is really advantageous. You get to work with different teams, you learn different styles, and um, 
just to kind of echo Serge's earlier point, I I am fortunate that I've I've actually never been yelled at by a, <laughs> by a clinician. Uh, I think it's yeah maybe just a bit of a trope we all joke about. Um, but yeah, my experiences have been really good, and in fact, I think I actually specifically remembered commenting to a friend that uh, because surgery was my first rotation of third year, so I was sort of expecting it, you know, not knowing, not sure what to expect, and. I was quite surprised by how, A, how nice the surgical staff were, because you do just hear a lot of, you know, sort of horror stories from years gone by. But I was also quite surprised at Auburn, at least, that um, there's a pretty significant number of female surgeons as well, which I thought was quite uh, refreshing and is something I wasn't necessarily expecting. And uh, overall, I think that the environment is really supportive. Very wise words there about the work-life balance, uh, Jordan. I think that's very, very important to get right. even as a medical student, because it's never going to get easier. I think uh, as, you, as you progress with your career, even if you don't do surgery, um, I think you will find that um, managing your work-life balance is going to become a much larger priority um, as, you, as you go on. What about you, Wendy? Is it much different uh, in the third year compared to the first two? Yes, it's very different. I think being on placement and being in a hospital all the time is very different and similar to Jordan that's what I really like about it um, I probably am a contrast to Jordan I don't really like talking to people or doing <laughs> so maybe I am a future surgeon probably am a future surgeon um, but I am also happy to stay here from seven till five and make the most of it get involved in the team be proactive and get involved in what I can and I always put my hand up for things Um, In terms of work-life balance, so to speak, I've always thought that to be a bit of a myth, so I'm not a very good person to ask (laughs) about that. Um, Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Is it like like a fat kid and a skinny kid on a seesaw? Like, it's just... Yeah, it's it's not a balance. It's not a balance. It's just just one. Just work. Get on with it. (laughs) Hey, you're a husky. You need a load. You know what I mean? Like, that's when you're happy, when you've got a job to do. That's right. I have a job to do. As people that know me very well, I have my goals whatever time frames that is in ridiculous um, looking into the future a lot. So I'm probably the opposite of someone who thinks about work-life balance. But having said that, I do make sure I have time out, exercise, watch Real Housewives or complete crap to tune out sometimes and escape the world that is medicine. I can't watch a medical TV show because... I I would have never suspected you watch The Real Housewives. Oh, of, of Beverly Hills, obviously. Okay, like, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the Australian version of that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Indian matchmakers pretty good <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Serge? What's your trash TV of choice? Come on, admit it. I watch sci-fi. Oh, I'm a big sci-fi I fan. I, I um, um, watch anything from the Black Mirror um, to the... Um, I'm having a bit of a blank here. Did you ever list. watch Dune or Stargate or Red Dwarf <laughs> or Star Trek Next Generation? There's, 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 a, there's a really good show that I completely, completely slips my mind at the moment, but uh, there's... Five, se- five seasons of that I've been uh, watching religiously. Um, uh, it'll come to me. Below deck, Mediterranean. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, look, all those things like the, you know the Dune and Stargate—they all staple of my of my childhood. Um, I think they're all pretty good, to be honest. Oh, you, know, okay. you, you know, you know, you know how I learned English. 
uh, in my, my first year in Australia, mm-hmm. I essentially reread all of the science fiction, all of Isaac Asimov's uh, The Foundation and everything else. I've, I've reread it in its original English language. Um, uh, and, and I loved it. I, th- I thought nice. it was, uh, that, that's how I picked up, um, uh, picked up a lot of, uh, that, that's how I picked up a lot of my vocabulary, but I'm still working on my pronunciation. Uh, you're doing fine, you're doing fine. That's interesting, you learned it. So when you compare the English editions to the Russian, was there any major differences or it was largely still the same? It's largely still the same, but the, uh, the, the, the descriptive language of, of, of English, uh, I, I felt is much more powerful in its um, native form. Uh, I, I always compare English language to a symphony orchestra. It is very complex. Um, it can be very complex, but it is also a, it has a lot of nuances and a lot of subtleties, mm-hmm. um, and it's difficult phonetically. Whereas mm-hmm. Russian language uh, is still musical, it's but it's a little bit like a uh, an army ba- army band, like a marching band. It's very regimented, very much by the rules. Uh, it's um, it's a phonetic language in the sense that it's written the way it's spoken, and if you leave. Um, 9,000 kilometers from Moscow and you speak Russian, uh, you will be able to understand the person that's uh, from Moscow mm-hmm. and vice versa. The, the, there would be a slight accent, uh, but the, the basics of it will be, the si- will be very, very similar. Whereas even within the Greater Britain, uh, you have you know, essentially different languages in <laughs> Scotland and Ireland and, and, and England, and even Australian English is different from British English. Yes. Uh, that I actually struggled a lot uh, in, in, in the first years in Australia with, with that. I feel like we need to make you watch a few episodes of uh, Russell Coit's All Aussie Adventures. <laughs> it's like the most Australiana show you could ever get. And it'll highlight that point where you're like, these guys are speaking English, but they may as well be speaking a different language. <laughs> well, I, might, I might come back to that when I retire, maybe in a couple, in a few years. Yeah, and you it got me thinking, you know, with the Russian language, uh, you describe it almost like the way I think of the culture in Russia, you know, and it almost makes me think, like, was it the chicken or the egg, you know, did the culture dictate the language or did the language help set the tone for the culture? That's uh, a good question. I, I don't know. Uh, the Russian culture is very diverse and there's a lot of influences from from Europe and from um, the Middle East uh, and also from... Um, from the Asian side of it. So I, I'm not sure, but the, I guess the fact that we have gone through several revolutions, a uh, couple of wars, and we have a, a compulsory military service, at least until the end of the Soviet Union, I think that probably played a, a significant part in, mm-hmm. in the way that Russian mentality is. But this is just pure speculation. Uh, please do not in- include this in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what will happen to us if we do, sir? So, sir, what are your thoughts on Vladimir Putin? <laughs> <laughs> so the best president ever was, ever will be. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, uh, lastly, um, uh, I'll, I'll just r- wrap this up fairly quickly. So just one more question to you guys and I'll let you be. Do you have any tips for the uh, medical students that are currently in the second year, coming, finishing up their second year and coming up to their third year as far as their clinical 
attachments go? Is there something, some pearls of wisdom that you can give them, um, Wendy? I would say get involved and don't be scared to appear like you don't know anything or you don't know what you're doing because you don't know what you're doing. So I've often found people are most helpful if I say, if I admit I'm the lost medical student and I don't know where to stand, what you would like me to do, how can I help? And then ultimately they want to look after you and show you what to do and get you involved because you've shown a bit of vulnerability and you've shown that you're keen at the same time. I think that you can only play that card so often, Wendy. We all know you're brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it still works, Serge. I need it. What about you, John? Uh, I feel like I could probably give two or three tips. Uh, The first one would be don't argue with the doctors. Even if they say something that you don't think is correct, like it's not worth it. Um, Especially because everyone makes mistakes and you might just rub them the wrong way. And I think that getting along with your team is really important in terms of getting the most out of your rotations. And I think it just speaks to Wendy's point, you know, like be upfront, you know, you're learning. Like something I would really actually recommend, probably the first thing is get good at introducing yourself because I remember the first day of third year, I was told to go to a certain theatre and I just stood outside the room and I was like, what do I do? And then eventually you're like, I'm just gonna have to go in and be like, hey, I'm the medical student. And like, and then sure enough, you'll realize that's normal. That's what happens. And so getting good at just being confident when you walk in a room and being like, hey, Dr. Serge, I'm the medical student associated with you for this afternoon. Would it be okay if I observe this surgery? Is there anything I can do to help you? Just getting over that sort of hurdle of introducing yourself and offering probably more often than not, they'll say, hey, you know, just uh, get a good spot in the room where you can see. And if you have any questions, let me know. Um, But yeah, likewise, you got to be involved, as Wendy said, try to get involved in things. So I remember for the first two or three days of surgery, I didn't scrub in. And it wasn't until one of the scrub nurses was like, are you going to scrub in? And I was like, can I? And she was like, well, if you don't ask, you never will. And so then I was like, oh, like, I have to show some initiative here. So yeah, introduce yourself, have some initiative, try to make a good impression with your team and don't get in silly arguments, um, especially like, you know, because there's a lot of people who come into medicine who have really extensive backgrounds. Maybe they've got PhDs in such and such, and maybe you do have a bit of knowledge in a certain area, but... Um, you know, it's not it's not worth rubbing someone the wrong way just to try to flex a bit of your own knowledge or whatever. You know, people maybe someone says gallbladder instead of liver, like you know, just whatever. It's whatever. Um, so yeah, those would be my my sort of tips. Get amongst it. Uh, I think that this this these are very wise words and um, very helpful. I would add from my perspective uh, to that if you have not just the initiative, but if you have an idea of what you want, if you're trying to get out of the day, if you have a bit of a plan, a bit of a preparation, be it medical or be it surgical rotation, uh, it will be a lot easier for you to uh, get uh, more out of the day than if you just turn up and just follow someone around. Having even a small amount of preparation will go a long, long way. As far as the operating theatre etiquette goes, we are actually um, going to have an episode on that with um, one of the senior nurses from the operating theatres, but it is as simple as 
um, being there, saying hello, introducing yourself, uh, and being open to uh, being involved in pretty much anything that you see. Um, all right, I think that was that was a really good uh, episode, guys. I thank you very much for 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 participating. Uh, I apologize again for springing it on you unsuspecting, but I think uh, it was all right. It was good. Thank you, Serge. Thanks, Serge. See you later. Virtual Board Rounds is available wherever you get your podcasts. For updates, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or to send your thoughts, queries, concerns, comments, you can also email us at virtualboardrounds at gmail.com. Until next time, happy studies.